Oh, I thought you were going to start with the video. What happened? You want, me to, you want me to just start with it right away? Yeah, I told you right after the intro. All right. Well, I'm sorry, oh, Rob. What did Anthony just say? <laughs> you need a translator. <laughs> oh, wait. We have Father We have Father Isaac Mary Relia coming on Thursday. Do you know what it's going to be like? Me and him going back and forth. Nobody's I will need it. Yeah. All right. You know what? Before we do anything, Rob, why don't we let Father start us with a prayer? Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Amen. In the amen. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. St. John the Baptist. Pray for, Pray for us. us. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm assuming most of our audience would know who Father John Lavel is at this point, right? He's, he's been everywhere, but... Anthony, I'm just uh, happy you got us pronounce my name so <laughs> <laughs> i can't even pronounce my well, no, name seriously you asked me like three weeks ago father we got to have you on we got to have a discussion and then oh sorry taylor marshall came on we got to bump you and then oh, next week oh we got to bump you about eric salmons but no, i didn't no, no, cancel please i'm glad i'm finally able to get on i didn't bump you for eric salmons I just, I, well, I okay. had to be. He bumped me for Taylor Marshall. You know, he looked I did bump you for Taylor Marshall. <laughs> he looked better with the beard. So <laughs> I, I did bump you for Taylor Marshall. I'm sorry about that. But um, no, I actually, um, I've, been, I've been wanting to get you on because um, you guys have the priest summit coming up. And I asked Joe to come on too. Joe is going to join us. He's just running a few minutes late. So I don't know if we should, should we wait to talk about the, the conference? Till he, Joe has, gets he, has, he has tummy issues. That's okay. We can wait. Yeah. So you know what, Rob, what, maybe we'll do the super story now before Joe gets here. So we're a little safe. <laughs> we can do that. Do you, uh, well, do you want me to play the video of uh, the a Holy Thursday mass that took place? In his yeah, let's start with that. So this is, this yeah. is the diocese of Chicago, everybody. And, and we're going to take a little glance and we're going to, we're going to travel into Chicago and see what's going on in Chicago. So this was Holy Thursday. The middle of the day in the heat of the day. Yeah. And she came to get water. She came to get a drink because she was thirsty. Let's see and what I else happens. What am I watching? Mass of the Lord's Supper. Anthony, come on. <laughs> Wait, this is a loud. My soul says yes, Jesus. What My soul on says earth? Yes. Am I watching? My soul says yes. I don't even know. My soul says yes. It's the Chicago way. He's saying there is more. Oh my lord! That I require of thee. Um, is that is that Cardinal Supage there? No. There is more. I don't think so. That's uh, what's their priest name? Flager or something like that? Father Flager. But Anthony, I loved how you said, "Is that Cardinal Supich there?" And Rob's like, "No," and the guy just saying "there" right at the same time. You couldn't, you couldn't have timed that. <laughs> um, well, look, I think going... I think this might be him. This might be during the. I hope this isn't during the Eucharistic prayer. Notice women are wearing stoles.
and Flager, the pastor, he calls himself the senior pastor, is wearing a Jewish prayer shawl. <clears throat> There's so much wrong with this, guys. This is my blood. Oh, there is so much wrong with this. Now, is this is all right? What is this church normally like? Is this a uh, like this, um? It's like this. So is is this is there a pride flag flying at this parish? Is there? I I don't know. It's on the south side, Saint Sabina, as we call it in Chicago and Rome. They say Saint Sabina. Um, it, Saint Sabina's though was a working class Irish parish until the 1960s when the Great White Flight happened in Chicago, as it did in major U.S. cities. And two, I mean, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Flager has been there since 1981. I was born in 1980. Um, He has been there working uh, to build up that community. Now, that said, I don't think he's building up a Catholic community before the trads attack. Uh, It's it's just, it's it's the Temple of Flager, sad to say. It's funny how those those type of priests seem to be allowed to stay in their parishes forever, but yeah. So <clears throat> the thing is, I mean, I'm I, I'm pretty sure most people read the pillar article. Should we actually read the pillar article, Rob? Yeah, let me wanna, pull that up. I want to pull that up and actually read a little bit of it. So if anybody hasn't heard by now, um, there's uh, for the for the for the Eucharistic Congress. I guess they're they're doing this. Uh, when are they doing that? Next year, twenty twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, so 2024, they're going to do um, the like a, a Eucharistic pilgrimage, and they're going to have like a, you know, I guess a year dedicated to like building Eucharistic something. What are they calling it? A Eucharistic Congress? You, the, the Eucharistic uh, Revival. Revival. There you go. So they're they're trying to figure out, I mean, honestly, it would be just, if they want to have a Eucharistic Revival, how about, you know, just put communion rails back in and let people kneel and receive on the tongue if you really want a revival. But the the way they're handling this is they're, they're, they're doing like pilgrimages throughout the country. I think there's four of them setting up and they're all going to meet in Indianapolis, if I understand what they're doing right. Now, yes. as they're going... As they're going through Chicago, Supich had some things to say. So, Rob, you have the article. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's just your favorite song. Let me put it up here. So it says the Archdiocese of Chicago is expected to restrict the exposition of the Eucharist during a national pilgrimage that will go through Chicago next uh, next summer ahead of the Congress schedule for July. Uh, let's see here. Um, so Cardinal Kupich has argued that the emphasis on adoration could distract from catechesis about the importance of the mass, whereas Bishop Cousins, uh, who is leading the Eucharistic revival has stressed a unified vision between the Eucharistic adoration and the worship of God in the mass. So, um, I'm reading that book dominion to prepare for that interview, uh, the interview we're doing Rob, and he actually goes into the origins of adoration and the origins of adoration would be <clears throat> in these monasteries or out in the desert for the uh, early monastics. And they would have a, a host and they would venerate it. And you're talking, this is from very early on, like 
third, fourth century, they were already venerating the Eucharist and, and adoring the Eucharistic Lord. This has been a practice that has gone on. I mean, it's so ancient. And the way, the way I see this is I think the reason Supich is doing this is because when you walk through the streets processing the Eucharist in a monstrance with the canopy and you have, you're proclaiming Christ as King. There's nothing ecumenical about that. You are saying Christ is King. You'll, and when you do it, like even when they do it, uh, Holy Innocence in New York will do it occasionally. Father Mayara will do it. And you'll see people will, like that aren't part of the procession will drop down to their knees and make the sign of the cross. It's, it's something that's ingrained in Catholics that, that they have that instinct to do that. Even if they haven't been to mass in a long time, and it stops us dead in our tracks. Um, now, father level, you're actually in Chicago, aren't you? Well, right now I'm in Northwest Indiana at the uh, priest safe house and our studios, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the reasons Cardinal Supich doesn't want this is Chicago is, a very Polish city, in fact, the most Polish city outside of Warsaw. It's the most Slavic city outside of Eastern Europe. It has a huge Mexican population. And mm -hmm. the Poles, the Ukrainians, and the Mexicans, what do they love the most? Processions, okay? They love this. This is, this is ingrained in them because they come from a Catholic culture. And so when you start doing this, having processions, they're, they're going to be attracted to this, and they seem to want to suppress this because they, they want to claim it's focus on the Eucharist and Mass. But I'm sorry, I have two master's degrees in theology. That doesn't make any sense. Adoration leads you to and leads you from the Mass, okay? Same thing could be said for the divine office, all right? The liturgy is the liturgy, Okay. And they, they've been trying. I remember when I was in college seminary for the Archdiocese of Chicago, the rector actually had every Thursday all-day adoration. And I remember the priests, including my own formation director, who used to rail against it, saying, well, it's, it's distracting from Mass. And I'm like, how is adoration distracting from Mass? It seems to be leading us to the sacrifice, leading us to the altar. And when we stop seeing it that way, it, it's really, really sad. And can I say something? And I hope I don't want to sound pessimistic here. Okay. But you've heard me, both of you have heard me talk about this, you know, on the, on the so-called Catholic right, you have the neocons, you have the charismatics, you have the trads. Okay. Mm -hmm. what, what the neocons will say, what the George Weigel Catholics will say is, well, it's still adoration because it is in a ciborium. Okay. And if you look at the rubrics of the Novus Ordo, that is absolutely correct, okay? So they're going to try to downplay it. They're going to try to say it's not that big of a deal. It's still adoration, okay? But, you know, at the same time, what is this Eucharistic revival about? It is simply this, okay? We punted on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi receiving Holy Communion, so we're giving you this, okay? Yeah. They can't even do this correctly. Okay? <laughs> they can't even agree on this correctly. Let me just say this, okay? And I think Bishop Cousins really is one of the so-called better bishops, okay? But remember, just in the last year, he came out and basically said, well, there's nothing wrong with receiving communion on the hand. You know, it's a very pious way of receiving, okay? You know, I mean, this, this we have to realize that even the so-called good bishops, and I hope they have the heart in the right place, you're not going to see any of them come out and condemn Supich for this, you know, is Cardinal Dolan in New York going to come and say, say, no, this is completely wrong. What's going on in Chicago? And we're going to double down in New York. 
for the recession there. Probably you wanna, not. You, you want to know what's kind of funny about Dolan? Because um, Dolan wants to play all angles, right? So, like, he does allow, like, the James Martin thing to go on in New York. But he also does have some weird trad tendencies occasionally. Like, um, so I'm not in the New York City uh, Archdiocese. I'm I'm in a, a neighboring diocese, and Dolan is coming to our diocese next month to do uh, traditional ordination, uh, traditional confirmations. So, it, and it just like he just did it out of nowhere. He also wrote this letter for uh, he wrote like an article for uh, Washington Post recently, kind of talking about how you know the actual people on the peripheries are the people who want to. Uh, go to a, a beautiful liturgy and who, you know, feel like the church is kind of uh, relegating them to the side by calling them rigid, things like that. So, and he, and he does allow the most beautiful church I've ever been to, to exist with a daily Latin mass. So I don't want to say anything uh, too bad about uh, Dolan, but you're right. He would never come out and actually say something about this. He would never go publicly out and, and call out a fellow bishop like that. Well, and can I, can I go just a step further? Okay, because, you know, 25 years ago, when I entered seminary, um, Cardinal Dolan, at the time Monsignor Dolan's book, Priest for a Third Millennium, was very popular. Okay, I mean, Monsignor Dolan, who was the rector of the North American College at the time, he was, you know, the, the cat's meow, for lack of yeah. a better term. Okay, everybody thought he was going to do great things. But you, you mentioned... He's coming to your diocese, which I'm assuming is the Diocese of Brooklyn. Uh, or is it Rockville wait, Center? No, I'm in Rockville Center. In Rockville Center. So he's going to do traditional confirmations. Great. I applaud him for that. I really do. Okay. But is he going to do a pontifical high mass? Is he going to do a pontifical low mass? No. You know? no. And, I don't think and he's again, ever celebrated that. I, I, exactly. You know, and, and I'm not trying to nitpick here, but you know, my, my point is, is that we need to have the Paprakis, the Stricklands, the Cordelions, and I'll even include Dolan. Okay, we need them to come out and say, no, we need to do this. Why aren't they sticking with Bishop Cousins on this? Why aren't they saying, no, this is what we agreed on in the USCCB. We have to do it. Okay, remember, the left, Supich, McElroy, Gregory, they're all great. Tobin, they're all great about talking about the importance of the USCCB and the importance of synodality. Still, they don't want to do what the USCCB agreed upon doing. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, Anthony Stein said this in his video, okay? This Eucharistic revival in and of itself is not a bad thing. All of us should be cheering for it, okay? You know, I mean, I don't think we should be spending $34 million or whatever <laughs> we're spending on it, okay? But, you know, any type of Eucharistic revival that is done reverently is a good thing. Let's make that absolutely clear, Okay. But where is the support? Where is it coming from to defend Bishop Cousins on this? And I'm sorry, I keep hearing everybody saying, calling me their cousins or cousins, however it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, it is cousins. I'm open to any 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 translation. So. <laughs> I, I've served mass with him before. It's cousins. Okay. Yeah, it's like um, the thing is, if you're if you're going to have this Eucharistic revival, that's that's great. And they want to. They were talking about having like a, a, a coherent Eucharistic, you know, a, a Eucharistic coherence. They were talking about having, but it really does shock me that they don't understand. Like I, I, in raising my children, I could say they see 
I would only receive kneeling it on the tongue, not because I'm being snobby or stuck up, but because you really do believe that's Jesus. And if you really do believe he's the king of the universe, how can you receive him any other way? And if you want to really spur this Eucharistic devotion that they're saying they want, that like that's the first thing they should have done and said, hey, even if they don't make it mandatory, at least make it optional. Install some altar rails in some of the Novus Ordo parishes. At least give it an option. I understand. I understand people don't uh, are going to fight back in certain areas, but at least give it the option. Oh, here in Chicago, Anthony, their priests are being told take the kneelers out, take the communion rails out. Now, how how does that go over for those that are handicapped that need that assistance, something to lean on? To, to kneel down, to get themselves back up. Oh, and they'll say, oh, you can still kneel. You just kneel on the floor with no assistance, okay? You know, where's the ADA when it comes to that? You know, hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing what you're seeing. And let's say this. You're not being snobbish, Anthony, okay? You are being Catholic, okay? That is how Roman Catholics received communion. Time in memorial, okay? Tell me when Roman Catholics did not receive kneeling on the tongue, okay? Don't tell me about St. Cyril of Jerusalem or some Eastern rite, okay? Tell me in the Roman rite when kneeling came in. And don't make something up, well, it was a medieval invention, and as Supich tried to argue, uh, which Eric Sammons brought up in, in his um, podcast today, that, you know, Supich tries to make it seem like, well, it's a medieval piety thing, and while that might not be bad in and of itself, it's still a medieval piety thing. No, no, no. You tell me, in the time of St. Gregory the Great, were the Romans kneeling to receive Holy Communion on the tongue? In the time of St. Leo the Great, were the Romans kneeling to receive Communion on the tongue? And if they were, okay, then what does that tell us about how we should be receiving today? So a, lo a lot of what they want to do is they'll go back and they'll find a quote from, I, I don't know, uh, which... Which church it's father is it? The Cyril of Jerusalem. Okay, okay so that's not Roman. Okay? Right, right. But, Tell me where the Roman fathers but say not even, have to do it this way. Not even that. It's like what they're talking about, like by receiving in the hand, and it's it's antiquarianism. It's not going back. Like this whole a lot of times you'll hear, uh, especially when when talk talking about like the council things that that we wanted to go back to the you know to the early church. We wanted to go back to the early church. But it's antiquarianism, because when you think about it, the church did take time to develop some of these doctrines. Like, it, it really did. It took time. But as the church meditated on these different aspects of our faith, what they realized was, oh, wow, this is the Eucharistic Lord, and reverence demands it. So even if it was a development, it why would you ever go back on that development if the church actually did? That was a development. Why would you revert back to this ancient practice when our our theology wasn't developed perfectly yet. Plus, well, plus that, that. that ancient practice was different entirely anyways. Yeah. The, the, the way Cyril describes it is, is not the way we receive on the hand today. So it's, it's oh, kind Rob, of a you're, point. You're, Rob, you're absolutely correct, but let me go a step further. Okay. Why are we going off of what might've been in a persecuted church before the time of Constantine? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're, when we're on the run, when, when they're chasing us and hunting us down and we're down in the catacombs hiding, okay, yeah, I'm not going to necessarily follow the rubrics exactly, okay? I don't know if any trad that's going to say, point. oh, you, you know, you better use a scruple spoon, okay? <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen, okay? That's a great But point. what we're saying is, is that 
let me give you an example. Here's a big thing right now in the last 60, 70 years in the trad movement. Do we have in the traditional mass at a high mass, do we have the people sing the entire Our Father with the priest? Okay. Hold, that was introduced on. in the early 60s. Okay. Look, at, look who showed up. It's about time you came here, you bum. Oh, you look a little choppy, Joe. What's going on? Sorry, I got a little sick today. Jeez. Joe, you Joe, might have you to know, sign. You, you come right in and interrupt me as I'm making a great point. <laughs> Joe, you might have um, to sign out and this. sign back in. Yeah, he's frozen. Joe, sign out and okay. sign back in if you could hear us. Come on, Joe. You're you're ruining this. As, <laughs> as we're waiting for Joe to get his stuff together, um, you know, but seriously, you know, it, it was this big thing in the late 50s, early 60s that, that everybody in the congregation sing the Our Father, okay? And I was actually on board for the, with this for a while. I thought that was a nice development. And then I come to discover St. Gregory the Great says, in Rome, the priest sings or says the Our Father alone. And he's not like he's just making a new rule in 590 AD. <laughs> he seems to be talking about that this is going back as far as he could remember, way past St. Leo, okay? This clearly might be something going as far back as Peter, okay? Yeah. You know, what, what I'm amazed at, and look, I, I am no expert, okay? But you know, it was, we were drilled in the seminary. Well, the early Roman church, everything was in Greek. And then, oops, they discovered Peter's sarcophagus with all this Latin graffiti on it. Okay. Look at the great work that Dr. Peter Kwasniewski's done, you know, in many of his books, but of just showing that the Roman canon more than likely was composed by Peter himself, not Mark, mm -hmm. not Paul, but Peter himself. Okay, how many Novus Ordo masses today uses the Roman canon? Most of them do not. Only one that I know of in my diocese. Right. The, um, the the funny thing is that we were having a conversation with. Uh, it wasn't really a conversation. It was some guy trying to convince me that the apostles would recognize the Novus Ordo over <laughs> the traditional mass. This is what this guy's trying to tell me, and I'm like, first off, it's a it's a preposterous thing to say like it really is a preposterous thing to say second off even if there were some similar because they're going by like you know this 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 writing by one of the church fathers who says well first we do a reading you know readings from the old testament and then maybe a letter and then we read the gospel like they actually do lay out the format for it it doesn't say anything about language but the thing is the, like i said before the church is developing its liturgy over time so why would you want to go back to a time when, just like you said, when the church is being persecuted, they're trying to sneak these liturgies in, in somebody's house, in somebody's home. It's like when, when Paul goes around setting up churches, Paul's going around and not just preaching to them and leaving, he's, he's giving them a liturgy. He definitely is giving them a liturgy so that they have a way to embody the faith that he's teaching them. But the church, oh, St. Justin Martyr. Thank you, Anthony. Um, yeah, so St. Justin Martyr, you know, explains, and it does, you know, it sounds similar to what the Novus Ordo was laid out, but it also sounds similar to the, the traditional Latin masses laid out. It's it's like this, this false antiquarianism where they want to try to act like they're going back to the early church, when in reality, they're just going back to the Protestant Reformation. So what's going on, Joey? How you been? What, 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 you uh, came in a little late. Yeah, I had a bit of an issue of the stomach for there, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're back in action. How's everything going? 
Not bad. Good. We're discussing we're discussing uh, the Chicago Archdiocese. We just watched a Seder meal, essentially. The Mass of the Lord's <laughs> Supper with a bunch of women around the table. It, it was problematic on Installs. so many levels. Installs. Women wearing actu- actually wearing. I mean, it's 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 really crazy. The the things that they're experimenting with right now. It makes me wonder: Will there come a time when uh, the the regular uh, Novus Ordo attendee says, "Whoa, this is too far. I can't do this anymore." Well, you would think it would have gotten to that point already. I mean, because- judging from the the pews in this video. It's only a third full anyway, so most of them have dipped out. Is it is it a dying out parish? Because it's like, even my mom, my mom goes to, um, I've been trying to get my mom to come over to the traditional, traditional mass with me, and she's like, but I just love my church. I love the people I go there with, and I'm like, well, what would it, what would be the line for you, mom? And she said it would be, um, it would be like, any anything to do with like you know if Pachamama got involved or it would be if they actually did have women deacons or something like that like there is a very there is a line where I think a lot of people say okay this is too far for me I, I can't I can't do this anymore because logically of course uh, women surrounding the altar and stoles is uh, the next step after Eucharistic ministers you know. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is clear. Uh, I don't. I I don't have the quote on me, but he's clear about uh, sacred things being touched by sacred hands. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's right in the, it's right in the Summa. It's obvious. The minute you break that barrier between the sa- basically the sacred and the profane, uh, or in the vulgar and the literal sense, all bets are off liturgically. Yeah. Um, Mark, Mark makes a good point here. So like Supers doesn't want you to worship anybody, but him, like I, I, my thing is, I think Supers is doing this because he doesn't see it as an ecumenical thing. And it, it's like, everybody knows if you go and go to adoration, or if you go to a procession, if you sit at adoration, what you're doing is you're taking the role of, uh, was it Mary or Martha who sat at Jesus's feet? Martha, right? Martha. And Mary's the one doing the work. Like she's working, she says, Lord, tell her to help me. And she's she says, No, what she's doing is the right thing. She's just sitting at Jesus's feet in that in that story. Wasn't it Mary Magdalene sitting at his feet and Martha doing the work? It might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's what it was. So yeah. it's like it's the, like that's essentially what you're doing when you go to adoration. When when we went to Steubenville, <clears throat> there was at what like we were we were all hanging out drinking that first night and when we woke up the next morning mark is the one that got us all in gear and he said guys let's sit down we're gonna pray our rosary together we prayed our rosary then joe you went and met up with uh clayton and and the the four of us went went to the cathedral and went to adoration and it was like it really did center all of our all of us for that weekend. And it made it where we weren't just hanging with our friends, but it made it the spiritual experience because anybody that goes to adoration, it's going to enhance your spiritual life. And I really think that scares a guy like Supich because the last thing he wants is more radical Catholics in his diocese. Uh, I think it's also, also emblematic of, of the new theology of of the new mass, right? How he, he doesn't like, adoration because it's individual and it's internal 
Whereas, you know, their, their version of active participation of the mass is external and communal. And, and I think, I think that's probably a large dichotomy there and why, why he sees it as uh, detrimental to, to the new, uh, the new mass and new theology. It's, it's strange because it's like, I came up, like I came up under Benedict, really. Like I wasn't really paying attention to my faith under under John Paul II. So when I when I when I came into the faith, it was really under Benedict, and Benedict was like pushing for adoration and things like that. It was like th- these were all things that you know when you're listening to all the Catholic speakers that I was listening to on the speaker circuit, everybody talked about how amazing adoration was, and it just feels like now it's like these this crazy theology from the sixties and seventies has just reared its head back in, in a way that I don't, I don't think anybody ever thought would happen again. It's funny, as much as I dislike him um, and I dislike him strongly, it's uh, my understanding that adoration was all but dead as a devotion until John Paul II came around. And that's who ends up bringing it back, so to speak. He, so I think he spent an hour in adoration daily, if I if I recall. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm we, a big fan. I'm a big fan, gentlemen, of priests spending an hour a day in adoration. Fulton J. Sheen was very big on that, and all of you uh, men should be spending at least an hour a week. Okay, if it's not an hour consecutively, you should be getting at least sixty minutes in a week in adoration. So the, the problem is where. Like, there's not many parishes that actually expose the Blessed Sacrament for us. Well, you don't uh, – now, now here, here we go. So this this is something that's very important. You don't have to have exposed adoration in order to adore. Any church that's open, any church that has a tabernacle with our yeah, Lord – that's right. Get your finger out of my face, Joe. Uh, <laughs> you know, is that uh, you can enter that church and you can adore – and this is, again, this is going to be the argument from the George Weigel Catholics. Well, just because it's the Saborium doesn't mean Jesus is any less present. That's absolutely correct, okay? But that's not the point. The point is, is why is he putting restrictions on this? Why, why are they micromanaging what is going on? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's a weird thing they're doing right now. Like, like I, I've never been in a – I've never thought we'd see a time where – Cardinals and bishops would actually be saying that adoration, it's almost like they they don't want people to know the faith. It's a very strange time we're in. It's, it, I think he really doesn't want people actually having a deeper spiritual life because once you start going down that road and you start to pray, you pray the divine office, you're sitting in front of adoration. Next thing you know, you want to seek something deeper. And that next thing you want to go to deeper is the traditional mass. I mean, it's, it's almost like, it's like, uh, I hate saying it like this, but it's like Novus Ordo is like Catholic light in some ways. Like, so you have everybody at the traditional mass is very intentional, right? So, so it's a, it's a weird thing. Everybody says how, um, you know, if you go to the, if you go to the Novus Ordo, it's only like 30% of the people actually believe in the real presence where if you go to a traditional mass, so it's like 99%. But the reason for that is because 99% of people at a traditional mass are going because they know that Jesus is present in the Eucharist and they're seeking it out. You don't accidentally go to a traditional mass. Well, you know, who knows? I was, I was having this conversation with a uh, friend of mine who, uh, who still goes to the Novus Ordo, but is very friendly to tradition. Um, 
you know who else knows that the the trad, so to speak, are right? Are Satanists and occultists? Mm-hmm. They know because the the because they represent the mirror, the other side of the coin. So what what they what and this this person had actually read some occult literature and stuff and stuff like that and has that understanding because it's what they what they bastardize or what they twist is not the Novus Ordo. You know, a black, you know, if you read the beginning oh, of Windswept, yeah. yeah, if you re- read the beginning of Windswept House, he gives a, you know, Malachi Barton gives a very in-depth explanation of what goes on, for instance, at a black mass. Uh, and and Joe may I interrupt you for a second. The, Father, the of course. Young, the young auxiliary bishop or priest that they're referring to in Windswept House is Joseph Burdendine. Okay. Yeah. He yes. became the yeah. cardinal archbishop of Chicago. So. Mm. No, but Joe, you're 100% that, that's, right. That's good to point out. So, so that that is what one. Uh, it's theological, but it's almost a mystical way of of knowing why why this thing is better because the uh, it's the flip side. So the you know evil is is you know obviously it can't create right. It could only turn something on its head, yeah. and and the profanation of the best thing constitutes the worst is the most evil so the 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 mass is the best thing that we have on earth so to profane that and to twist that is to perform the most evil thing you could perform on earth and of course the thing that's bastardized is the mass of Pius v not the novus ordo and also not the eastern liturgies it's it's the it's it's the you know nothing against the eastern liturgies obviously but it's the um but it's the it's the Latin it's the Latin Mass as we all know it, the traditional Latin Mass. There's a reason. There's there's a very deep spiritual reason why that is. You know. Yeah, and if you if you go back and listen to those Michael Davies talks, Michael Davies goes through and takes you through the English Reformation, right? And he takes you through what Cranmer's doing and what what they did by bringing that that table in instead of having the priest face the altar and face east. What he did was he made it this communal thing. And that's what Supich is talking about. He wants everything to be communal. Now, the thing is, there is an aspect of a communal meal in the Eucharist, right? Like the way we know we are God's children is we receive his name at baptism. So we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We eat at his table. Like, what do I do? How, how am I the, how am I my children's father? They have my last name. They eat at my table. They, you know, there's, there's these customs that they do because they are my children. So there is an aspect of a communal meal there, but it's not so much communion with one another. It's communion with God that we're talking about at the mass. And it is a sacrifice that they've really lowered down. And by doing that, once, once you change the liturgy, what you're doing is you're preparing the people for a change in the doctrine. So you can't change the doctrine while you have the liturgy remaining intact, which is what happened in, in the Reformation. The Reformation comes, they change the liturgy first. King Henry VIII doesn't say anything about doctrine for a long time. And then all of a sudden, that's when they start whittling down at these different doctrines and start messing around with things. And that's really what you saw happen in the 60s with them changing the liturgy. And now slowly you're seeing these doctrines starting to get changed. Right. You see, uh, I, I had a, um, another conversation with somebody about art, right? And uh, I'm sorry if I'm hogging the mic. <laughs> no, I want but, you to. Uh, but um, uh, kind, of, kind of like what you were saying, it is a meal, right? 
so it is the last so it's the last supper was the first mass but it's that and obviously calvary we know that you know we know that and i feel like for a very good understanding of what like actually is even go was even going on at the last supper beside from what was going on at the mass well beside from what's going on at the mass uh well uh, the the art salvador dali does uh, painted a rendition of the last supper that has it um i don't know if anybody's seen it but it's it's this very very like it, mystical i have fathers upset with me <laughs> man, who hasn't seen it I don't know, man. You you never know. Maybe maybe there's Philistines in the audience. I've n- I've never seen Dolly's <laughs> painting of the Last Supper, and I just went to a, a Dolly. That, that uh, doesn't exhibit. surprise me, Anthony. That's <laughs> Father, you said, I, I I I know my audience. <laughs> so yeah, if you were to pull it up, it gives this kind of mystical rendering of what is actually going on at the Last Supper. So Here, to, yeah, so to kind of like. So I mean, so some of the modern artists do do some good things in that way, but uh, the more modern artists said, but so yeah, to, it's it's you know, but but past the veil, it gives you a you know, there's much more going on at the Last Supper and at the Mass than than just what's being seen visually at, at a table or something. Yeah, there for, there it is. For any yeah. for anyone that has kids, there's a there's a cartoon. I don't know who did it, but it's called The Greatest Miracle. And it's uh, it's a cartoon that kind of lifts the veil of the mass. So you like it shows um, it shows like people just going about their day, and then and then they end up in the church, and then and it shows the people online for confession being distracted, and the demons are what's distracting them and stuff. And it's so if you guys have any kids, I use this this cartoon. It's called The Greatest Miracle. I use that to catechize my kids because it does lift the veil of the mass. It's a, it's a, it was recommended to me by a traditional priest. And that's what made me go into it. But even what um, Joe was saying, like the, um, if, if you look at even the collapse of Rome, what led to the collapse of Rome was the, the letting go of the, like the liturgies to these old gods like the the cult of Sybil disappears and the cult of Athena disappears. And once those things disappears, the the society itself starts to collapse. So it's almost like the, the the sexual revolution was completed by the changing of the mass. It was a a really like a, a one, two punch that led to what we're seeing in front of us right now. I just, I just, I love making you sweat. Want to comment on that, Anthony? I mean, <laughs> all right, good talk, right. guys. <laughs> good talk. Uh, it's called the greatest miracle, Rob. I'm going to try and find it real quick. You guys got anything to say here? Or what? What's going on? I don't think I've ever had anything to say. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I say something right now? Is why? I, and I realize some of this is driven by clickbaiting. Why is anybody surprised at what Supich is doing? Okay. There's nothing surprising here. This, right. I mean, this is his modus operandi. You know, I mean, and let, let's give credit where credit's due. Okay. He is actually living up, so's McElroy, so's Tobin, of what they actually believe. You know, they're not trying to hide behind lace or trying to hide behind doing, you know, a traditional mass from a, 
on occasion or confirmation. You know, they're just coming right out and saying, this is how it's going to be. You better get on board. Okay. You know, unlike some who just like, well, you know, we're going to try to pacify you. Okay. And again, I don't mean to sound pessimistic in saying this. All right. But we have to realize right now, okay, that if we're going to truly have a Eucharistic revival, it's going to come from the bottom up. It's not going to come from the top down. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Like, oh, everything is like that now, right? Like, it's almost like the 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 apostasy is happening from the, bo- from the top down where the revival is happening from the bottom up. Like the lady are having the revival while while the apostasy is happening at the top. Um, now, where you guys are having that conference in Chicago? What's the venue you guys are having it at? So we're at the Hilton Rosemont. We're actually not in Chicago because we're getting a lot of people saying we don't want to come to Chicago. It's not safe. <laughs> it's not in Chicago. It's in Rosemont. Okay. Now, for you New Yorkers, Rosemont is O'Hare Airport. Okay. Yeah. It is probably the only Republican city in Cook County, as surprising as that is. And uh, it's at the Hilton, and we're it's a two-day event, June 23rd and 24th. We're celebrating the two-year anniversary of the founding of the coalition and the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Last year, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski announced to the world that Roe was overturned at our conference. What's going to happen this year? Let's just see. One thing I can tell you, Joe Boca's coming. I hope he won't be picking his nose at the conference. Um <laughs> I'm leaking here a bit, Father. You, know, you must, ex- you must so, excuse me. <laughs> so, but uh, Joe is coming. Anthony's coming. Rob, I hope you come as well. Uh, it's just going to be a great time. You know, give you good mis- Midwestern beef. And, uh, you know, uh, Tridentine Brewery will be there. They're making a special beer for us. And uh, we, we encourage everyone to go to cancelpriest.org in order to get more information and to buy tickets. We want this to be a national event. Uh, we got great speakers, Abby Johnson, John Henry West, and Joe Boca. I mean, come for Joe Boca. I mean, he's the he's he's the keynote, clearly. You know, I'm hoping that I can set up and do interviews with all the speakers somewhere. So I, I'm I'm bunking with my buddy Joe. I'm gonna be bunking with Joe. We're gonna book our plane tickets together, we're gonna bunk together. I would like to be able to set up somewhere and interview some of the speakers and then also just some of the other guys that is Kennedy going, Joe? Yes. Yes. Kennedy's gonna be there too. Oh, Kennedy speak. Oh, I'm definitely gonna have to go. So, like uh, uh, Joe, do you know what your uh topic is? Do you not want to talk about it or I I am uh kind of in in the uh brainstorming phase. I have some ideas, but I'm not um I, Joe, I, I, want a first, I want a first draft by tomorrow morning. <laughs> tomorrow morning, eh? So <laughs> I haven't I haven't wholly come up with a with a um with a, a topic. I do I do have some work. I, I could text Dr. Janet Smith right now. She would have twelve pages for me. Come on, Joe. Father, are you are you speaking? Of course. Do so you know he's the he's the real keynote, Father yeah. Father Level. Come on. Uh, so now, John Henry John Henry Weston is on Saturday night. Jesse Romero is on Friday. Uh, our good friend Eric Sammons. I have to ask you, Anthony, right now, what did you say or what did you type in the comments <laughs> to throw Eric Sammons off? I can't believe that you threw Eric Sammons off in this game. What did you say? 
So listen, so every show Eric does, I try to make him laugh. Like that's my whole goal is to try to throw him off his game. So I'm constantly throwing comments in. So he says he was explaining how the demons recoil to to adoration. He's like, if you guys really understood what adoration is, it makes the demons recoil. So in the chat, I wrote, the demons react to the to adoration the same way Eric reacts to my DMs. <laughs> so because when I DM Eric, he recoils like the demons, which he mentioned on our show. He was making fun of me, saying how annoying I am when I DM him. So uh, to get him to chuckle. Every show, that's my goal. Um, yeah, Father Altman will be there. Um, I got I got to tell you, I've been uh, talking to a lot of people about <clears throat> because it seems like every priest that comes out and actually discusses the faith in a truthful way comes under some kind of scrutiny as soon as it gets public i I think a lot of priests are are faithful and able to speak in their parish but as soon as you get some kind of an outsider comes in and maybe takes a video of his homily or something like that right away he gets in trouble and the bishops usually don't have a backbone about it they don't back the priest the next thing you know they're going to the cancel priest conference and it's like and here here's the thing anthony okay there, there is rules for thee and rules for me. Okay, look at look at Flager. Flager gets away with all of this, even when he has allegations thrown against him. The archdiocese moves with lightning speed, lightning speed to exonerate him. And by the way, I hope he is innocent. Let me make that quite clear. Yeah. Okay, but but lightning speed, where it's just like if there is even a slight doubt. You know, not even an accusation. I mean, there's no accusation against me. It's, oh, no, 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 you have to go away for eight to ten months, you know, at a facility like St. Luke's or St. John Vianney's, you know, and get treatment, okay? They never require that on the left. Never. So All right? And, and what it comes down to, a lot of people say, well, Father, why is Father so-and-so who's conservative still at his parish? And I usually say, and there are some that are good, solid priests, more than likely, they have dirt, okay? And they basically say, if you try to get rid of me, I'm going to bring this out in the open, and they leave him alone, okay? But that's that's rare. Most priests, if you're on the right, you're going to get canceled if you stand up for the truth. The, the thing is, a, a, a priest who speaks the truth is such a powerful thing because I took my, my in-laws are Lutheran. Um, my father-in-law is actually a, a fallen-away Catholic, and he married a Lutheran woman, and I took them to their first Latin mass on Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday. I know everybody, it's a controversial thing, Divine Mercy Sunday. It's one of my favorite days of the on the liturgical calendar, though, because I've had so many unbelievable, like miraculous works of God's grace in my life on Divine Mercy Sunday. I know it's low Sunday. I know it's Quasimodo Sunday. And I was at a traditional mass, but the priest there also has a devotion to the divine mercy. And he gave a homily on receiving the Eucharist on divine mercy Sunday and the importance of confession. Now on the way to this, uh, to the mass, I had to tell my in-laws that they couldn't receive. And there was this weird tension, right? Like they were like, like, what do you mean? We can't receive after hearing father's homily. It was like the weight was lifted. And they totally understood why they couldn't receive. And that my father-in-law actually said to me, he goes, you know, I, I, I haven't realized that I haven't been to confession in 45 years. Like a, a, a priest that gives a good homily can have such a profound effect on somebody. It wound up, we're sitting in the, in the pews 
And while the priest is giving the homily, my son gets up midway through the homily and jumps online to go to confession. And I asked them before we went in, I said, Nick, if you want to go to confession, they have confession. No, I'm all right. Midway through the homily, my son jumps up, goes on the confession line. Five seconds later, I'm like, I'm going too. Right? I look behind me, my wife, and she gets on the line too. A good homily. And that's the, the other thing like that they, they robbed from us. They're used to, even John Paul II spoke about it. There should be a priest in the box throughout mass if it's available like if there's if there's a, a parish that has more than one priest while the one priest is given the homily something could strike somebody's heart and cause them to want to go to confession and i everybody i talked to that i told that story to was more astounded at the fact that there was a priest in the box during mass than they were that you know my son jumped up to go to confession you know anthony i you know i have to say this is that um a, a good preacher is going to drive people either to the confession or drive them out of the church. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was in seminary, I was kind of surprised by this. The rector, who seemed like a climber at my seminary, said to us in, in uh, practicum for giving homilies, he said, you know, you're giving a good homily when they get up and walk out, you know, because they're feeling and, convicted. And that's true. And if you think about it, if you go back to John six, how many of the Jews stood up and left and said, this is too hard, okay? We're not eating your body. We're not eating, drinking your blood. This is too hard of a teaching, and they walked out. You know, but what, what's interesting, because I, I come from a mixed family. My mother was Polish-Italian, and I'm a cradle Catholic along with my sister, but my dad is a wasp. My dad was a wasp. He passed away in November 1st, 2021, and at the uh, funeral... And we did a traditional mass for him. And I know some people want to criticize that, but um, I think the dead need the mass more than anybody else. And we did a traditional mass at a fraternity parish. And I got up and I made it clear to my family members, both my dad's side, which was Protestant, and my mom's side, which was Catholic. My parents are both dead now. I said, if you are not a Catholic in good standing, do not come up to receive communion. Well, my dad's side, which is all now evangelical Protestant, they were just like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. Blah, 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 blah. It was my mom's side. that was like, how dare you tell us whether or not we could receive communion? And isn't that just so indicative of what is happening with the bishops where Catholics, Catholics think they're entitled to receive the Eucharist no matter what state their soul is in. And we, this is, if we're going to be a success of this Eucharistic revival, it has to be that Catholics have to realize they have to get down on their knees, confess their sins like your son did. I'm, I'm glad your son went first. Your son led you to the confessional, Anthony. What a grace that is for you, okay? But we have to confess our sins, and then we have to go on our knees from the confessional to the altar rail to receive our Lord. That, that actually one, <clears throat> reminds me of something because um, when, when Francis first uh, became Pope, I got so discouraged that I stopped going to mass for about two years. And it was my son pressuring me over and over saying, dad, why aren't we going to church? Why aren't we going to church? That eventually led to me. So what was happening was he kept saying that to me and Francis came out and said something uh, that really upset me. And there, and I got, I went off on like a tirade 
criticizing Francis and criticizing the hierarchy, saying, what kind of fathers are they? They don't teach the faith anymore. They don't do all this anymore. And all of a sudden, it led to an illumination of conscience in my own heart that my son's been asking me to take him to church and I haven't taken him and I haven't been teaching my children the faith. And I just was like, when I tell you, I thought I was in hell. Like I'm over here criticizing these priests and fathers for not being good fathers and what an awful father I was being. And it hit me so hard that I, 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 it was life altering. I remember weeping and holding my son and hugging him and begging him to forgive me for dropping the ball on, on teaching him the faith during that two year period of time. And my wife thought I lost my mind. And that was right around the time when I actually started going to the traditional mass for the first time or two. And I like, I got so, I, I guess you'd say, I guess you'd say like, um, like I became such a radical about going to the Latin mass that it like freaked my wife out. And it took a decent amount of time to get my wife and daughters to, to be willing to go to the Latin mass, because I think it takes women a little bit longer. Men, I think like they're at home in it right away where women it's are kind of like, what? that, that, yes. that's the whole point. In fact, uh, Cardinal Newman said this, St. John Henry Newman said this, he said this back in the 19th century. Why are so many people attracted to what he called Muhammadism, which is Islam, is because it was a masculine religion. We still see that today. Okay, Christianity is viewed, sadly, as a feminine religion, but it's not. It is a masculine religion, and so that that you're you're drawn to the traditional mass because it is so it is so masculine. But here here's the thing: you're right. At first, women are not necessarily drawn to it, but in the end. They appreciate it even more because it's women that want and need the masculine even more than the men. And that we could do a whole show on that. Okay. Well, well, I can tell you realize the importance of that. But how old was your son, Anthony, when when he uh, basically uh, shamed you back into going to mass? Okay. So when all right. So my son was born in 05. Francis became. I love how you don't know how old your son is. This is great. (laughs) He's 17 17 now. Go ahead. He's 17 now, but I, 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 Francis becomes Pope in 13. Amoris Letizia is what made me stop going to mass. So it must've been 15. I stopped going to mass and 17. So 2017. So he was 12, 12. He was saying to me, dad, why aren't we going to church? Why aren't we going to church? And he pressured when I tell you every Sunday, I try because what happens, it's such a reality, um, mortal sin, right? Reality, like mortal sin is such a reality in our lives where, when you commit mortal sin, you don't want to face God. You become Adam hiding in the garden. So it's, it's, you are hide and you're pretending God isn't there. You just, you, God, don't look at me. So you try to hide from him and you really do. You're hiding in the garden. And my son, this reminder constantly on my case about it. And I, the shame I felt, but I would just pretend it wasn't there. Pretend, and my mother, God bless my mother. My mother would come and pick my kids up and take them to church during that two year period. So my kids, even more, seeing the saintly example of my mother, even more got my son to pressure me on it and pressure me on it. I, I really do. I told him the other day, I said, Nick, like, I have you to thank for, like, getting me back to church, man. It was like, Anthony, God. I'm a priest. I'm a priest today because of my Italian grandmother. It's, <laughs> it's as simple as that. If your son becomes a priest, it's because it's going to be because of your mother. Okay. It, it's yeah. as simple as that. Grandmothers move the world. Okay. 
Let's just keep that, especially Italian grandmothers. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's very important for everyone to understand. So, I, I mean, I, well, I'm always telling, like, especially like, so Rob has young kids now, and a lot of the people in the audience will have young kids. My kids are a bit older. And it's like in a time when you have the good priests getting canceled and they're afraid to preach good homilies and things like that, your role as priest of your home is so much more important now than it has ever been in the history of the church. Because you have, it's now your duty to teach your kids the things that they're not going to get in a CCD program anymore. They're just not. I mean, Rob, you were lucky enough to come up with a solid upbringing where you learned the faith. There's nothing like that for these kids anymore. That's why I'm I'm like, yeah. I, I fought to be able to catechize my kids at home. <clears throat> Joe, so what, what are some of the topics you were thinking about, Joe? Uh, ooh, you caught me <laughs> off guard. <laughs> you got to be blowing um, a few over. I know, I know you were, you were definitely going to. Yeah, I've run some by Kennedy. I, I was thinking, um, I was thinking of going over what the traditional teaching on indefectibility was, um, according to the 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 what are they called the the the, the manualist. There you go, the manualist tradition of indefectibility. It'd be a little boring though. Um, I was thinking you mentioned of, to me because you mentioned one to me talking about how it's like there's no there's no fence sitting anymore. Like oh like yes the, yeah the how moderation is of, not a virtue anymore yeah. Yeah, that, I was thinking of that one. Um, yeah, the, the how, how why being moderate isn't a virtue. Uh, I was thinking of doing something on uh, the the '60s in America and the Church Revolution, or I was thinking of doing something on anti-abortion slap versus pro-life as a label. So yeah. those 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 are my options. I like the I like the idea of doing a talk on how you know being a fence sitter really isn't a virtue because I, I, I mean, I mentioned it when Taylor was on with us, I used to be a, a very, I used to be a two forms of the masses. Okay. Guy. Right. I really did. Like I was fine with like a, you know, an extraordinary form and an ordinary form and really my, like learning. The more I learned about the early church, the more I learn about ancient cultures, the more of uh, I am just a, like, there can be only one form. And it has to be the traditional form. Like, I really do think that the only way we will ever be able to save the West is if we go back to the, the traditional mass as the foundation for our culture. Because it, it, it is the foundation for our culture. It's the well, foundation Andy, for, for, for the architecture and the cathedrals, for all of it. And you can see when we change that liturgy, look at the crappy architecture we have, look at the crappy theology we have. It all goes hand in hand with each other. Anthony, I, I would say this as, as uh, Rob yawns. Um, you know, we, we have to be careful though, of bashing it over people's heads that are not familiar with it. Okay. Um, sorry if I sound like a this by saying this, no, 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 but no, if, no. You, if you go up to like your mom, okay. And just say, you're going to go to hell unless you go. Oh to yeah. Mass, okay. I don't, I don't think we're going to get a lot of bees with vinegar, okay? It has to be with honey. We have to show them that. And what, what's amazing is you'll have a lot of Novus Ordo Catholics, okay, that want to defend it. I think of one mad mom. I think maybe even a little bit of David L. Gray. He might attack me for saying this. Okay, that will say that, yes, there can be a Reverend Novus Ordo. And I would say, but the problem is, is that every time that we define what a Reverend Novus Ordo is, it looks like a traditional mass. So why, not, 
go to the traditional mass. Like everybody yeah. says, oh, St. John Cantius, the 11 a.m. mass is so reverent. There's so much Latin. And I agree. Most, in fact, probably the three of you, if you walk into the 11 a.m., the only thing that would signal to you that it's not the traditional mass is there's no altar cards. Okay. And there's a lot more singing, but everything's in Latin except the readings. Okay. And so what I always tell people is like, well, if you're going to try to make the Novus Ordo as traditional as possible, where it's most Catholics, even learned Catholics like Rob, um, you know, then why not just do the traditional mass? But at the same time, I, I get, and maybe this is just because I, I really have the want to save souls. I don't want to bash it over their heads or basically says it's wrong. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. Yeah. Just come to the traditional mass. You know, <clears throat> again, I might be attacked in, in Twitterverse for saying that, but no, no, no listen, how about, how, how about if we try, I mean, there has to be a way to, because what really stuck out to me, I remember uh, before I had even attended a traditional mass was even the understanding of the Latin language. Why is it that the, the like, I, I was like, well, why I'd rather be in the vernacular. I'd rather be in the vernacular. But the, the point is that the church has a, Anthony, universal... I'm waiting for you to start speaking the vernacular. <laughs> Good luck. You'll be waiting a long time. So the church has, a, uh, has its own language so that no matter what part of the world you're in, if you're visiting France, you're visiting Germany, no matter where you go, you know where you are in the mass if you attend mass. It doesn't. It's it's a it's a language that's dead, and it's only reserved for the church. So it's really the city of God has its own language. At Anthony, this point. let's 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 go deeper than that. Okay, it is a sacred language because it was one of three languages that was on the cross: Latin, Hebrew, and Greek. Okay, those are the three sacred languages. Of the human race, okay? And let's make something very clear here for everyone that says, why do we have to pray in Latin? Did Jesus pray in Aramaic? No. Did Mary pray in Aramaic? No. They prayed in Hebrew because that was the sacred language of the Jews. And right Oh, so, so they spoke Aramaic, but they prayed in Hebrew. Of course uh -huh. they did. Oh, I never even Real thought Jews that. today will not pray in any other language than yeah. Hebrew. Why should we be any different? And then when people say, well, Latin's not a sacred language, why was it on the cross then? Why was it on the cross? Okay. And I'll give the Greeks their Greek language. That's fine. It was on the cross too. I'm going to have all the Byzantines coming after me after this. <laughs> okay. But I, I love being Roman. Okay. And, and we've talked about this earlier in the show about the Roman canon coming from Peter. Okay. In my opinion, I agree with Dr. Peter Krasztewski, the Roman rite, the real Roman rite, is the oldest rite in the church, okay? And we have to realize that very early on in the church, Latin was adopted in the West as the sacred language, not because it was universal, not because it was the Vulgate, although both of those are true, but because it, it hung above Christ's head on the cross. You just taught me that, Father. Like, I knew it was a sacred language because it hung on the cross, but, like, I, okay, so... There's a there's a good documentary. You can probably find it on YouTube. It's called uh, Saints and Sinners. It's a it's the history of the popes. And even that documentary kind of made it sound like it was Gregory the Great who unified everything under the Latin language. But it it really was already the like the, I, I think he was just trying to bring unity to those outliers that were praying it in you know saying the mass in in a different language. But it was uh, I think it was 
Pope Gregory the Great, who was just like, he wanted uniformity in everything so that the church was one. He really wanted to bring it all together. Rob, you, you look like you're, you have an opinion on that. I was just, I was going to say Gregory codified it, which is why it's the Gregorian right. But he yeah, was just codifying you know, a liturgy that, that already honest. existed. You just Rob, have me, Rob, talking. Thank you for not yawning. I mean, you're my. I have a. I have an <laughs> editor for my show who normally falls asleep, so I, I understand. <laughs> that's Shout out to Casey. So, but uh, thank you for thank you for being awake. I appreciate that. So, well, originally, um, uh, I I wanted to call this show uh, performative piety and something like that because while I was at my mom's. Over the weekend, my mom told me a story that, uh, like, it's like so many of the things that we do, especially with the online world now, is trying to give off this. It, it's our version of the virtue signal, right? So you'll 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 get a lot of people um, almost bragging about like. Uh, you know, that they go to the Latin mass. So it's like bringing it back to what you were saying. Like, it's, it's not like you can't think that you're better because you go to a different liturgy than somebody. It's like, you you have to just, you can never blame somebody because of the liturgy that the bishops imposed on them or that the church imposed on them. If they have an option, you always hope that they seek out the traditional mass, but it's not something that we should be beating people over the head with. Like you said, it's not, it doesn't make anybody. We could be, people over the head with it i let uh you know just unchain truth truth will win in the end you know you don't need to beat them over the head with it but you know at the same time i think an argument that is being used by some trad catholics worked well in 1972 1973 when people were raised in the traditional mass saying what are you doing don't go to this okay but now you have one two three generations that never knew the traditional mass. And for them to say, for, for us to say, well, you just have to abandon it and you just have to go to the traditional mass. And if you don't, you're a sinner. I don't see how that's winning over souls. Okay. And by the way, I want everyone going to the traditional mass. Okay. But I think we need to do it in a very charitable way, if that makes sense. Joe, your first mass was a traditional mass, right? Like you, you converted straight to tradition right i well i grew up uh just going to the novus ordo on easter and palm sunday uh that was my upbringing so uh i did have familiarity with the uh with the novus ordo i knew what it was i'd been to it and i you know i was confirmed in it the first time um (laughs) and uh so um well, he got, so, Joe got conditionally go. baptized recently. Just because no, I, said, I got conditionally confirmed, not conditionally confirmed. Baptized. I'm sorry, conditionally yeah, confirmed. But yeah. look, that's not something to laugh at. Like we all saw the stories that came out over the last few years, where the priest was baptizing people and saying, "We baptize you," and all the people that were every sacrament they received from that priest, because the priest found out that he was baptized wrong. That means his his orders were invalid. Every confession he heard was invalid, everything. So I don't think it's crazy to do what you did and go and say, Hey, just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get conditionally confirmed just to make sure. But why not? It can't hurt. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, but yeah, I mean, just recently, you know, Michael Voris attacked uh, on the vortex priests, uh, canceled priests, which he called Mel Gibson's priests. I had to make a statement, you know, 
and and I'm sorry, but if I was ordained by McCarrick, I would call into doubt my ordination. Okay, not because he didn't said didn't say the right words. Okay, but because you need to have the intention as well. And from what we know of McCarrick, can we honestly say with 100% certainty that he had the intention? That's sorry that that is certainly up for debate. I'm not saying Definitely. it was, but I'm just saying sorry that that is certainly up. Say with Bernadine, you know, I would say the same thing with Supich or McElroy mm -hmm. or Stolfi. Joe Gallagher saying, please speak to the necessary form of confession. I'm not sure exactly what he means by that. Like, is there the words? So, well, well uh, what, I, what, I, what I was, I don't know if he means like, because what, what happened with this priest was the priest saw a video of his baptism and his baptism, the priest that baptized him said, we baptize you in the name of the father, son, and he did it as a communal thing. And that's an improper, uh, you know, improper form for his baptism, which made his priestly ordination in, uh, invalid, made every confession he heard invalid. They fixed that after that, but they had to send out a press release telling everybody, if you went to confession to this priest, if you received communion at this priest, every single thing that happened with this priest, their marriages, every marriage he heard had to go and get, re you know what I mean? These people were living in invalid marriages and they didn't even know it. Well, well let, I just want all the listeners to know Joe Gallagher is my producer and he's also <laughs> had a Applications for uh, uh, the coalition. We were we were we were we were low on numbers here. People watching live, so I said, Joe, <laughs> get on and start asking questions. We need we need Red Top Report to come back alive again. We'll call it Ginger Top Report. Um, but Wait, the uh, Red Top Report. They were actually putting together a list for the Cardinals for the next conclave, right? That's what that group was doing. I don't, Joe. Was is that what they're doing? You could tell us in the comment section. I think that's what I the Red I, Top. Red Top report I think, was think, I think you're thinking the Red Hat report. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, Philip Nielsen. But Joe is asking, what is the proper form of uh, absolution? And it is simply this: it is I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Amen. If you say we absolve you or may God absolve you, that could invalidate it okay and in the latin it, it makes it it makes it very very clear for uh it's a very long form whether it's in the novus ordo or in the or in the traditional mass but you need to say at least these words in the latin deinde ego te absolvere peccatis tuis in nomine patris et tiri et spiritus sancti amen okay it is that words matter okay yeah. so we have to they, keep that in mind father z they, said it best do the red and say the black. There was just an article in Where Peter Is <clears throat> of mm. a woman complaining that uh, their trans child went to confession and the priest denied. Uh, I don't know if it was a trans boy. Or I don't know. I, I'm, I'm saying them not because I'm obeying pronouns. I honestly don't know which one it was. So uh, the priest uh, did not give absolution. And this whole article was about priests should never be able to deny absolution and it's like we just went to 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 mass sunday and in the traditional mass we heard jesus breathed on them and said uh who sins you forgive are forgiven who sins you retain are retained and i and i leaned over to my son and i said nick that's where we get the teaching that priests are able to you know forgive sins and retain them so a priest can deny you absolution and i think it's such an alien concept to modern churchgoers that a priest would would 
would withhold absolution. Have you ever been in a situation where you had to withhold absolution, Father? Yes. If they're if they're not if they say to me, "Sorry, Father, I I'm going to go and do it again," even if I even if I say the words, it's invalid. Okay. Yeah. As as the as the act of contrition says, you need to be sorry for that sin and promise not to do it again. Now, some will say, "Well, Father, I'm I'm more than likely going to do it again." We're not talking about what might happen. We're talking about the intention. My intention is to walk out of this confessional never to sin again. And if you can't do that, and if you, I mean, credit where credit is due, at least they were honest. Sorry, Father, I'm going to continue doing that. Well, I can't give you absolution. Yeah. So like some, sometimes I'll leave confession and I, and I remember something that, that, because I, I, I think a lot of people have this experience. You, you, if you, I mean, you're not writing things down, right? So you'll do an examination of conscience before you go in and then you go in and you confess and then you get out, you heard the words of absolution. You forgot to confess something. Your sins are, your absolution is still valid, right? You don't. Oh yeah. No, as, as long as you honestly forgot it. Yes. And if it's something mortal, just mention it in the next confession, and it's very simple. You just say at the beginning, Father, I went to confession. I completely forgot to say this. This is what it is. That's all you have to do. And let, let's let's keep something in mind. When you go to confession, you are the prosecutor, okay? Let's keep it short, sweet, and to the point. This is what I did. This oh, is how many times I did it, okay? You're speaking my okay. love language. <laughs> okay. If, if you cannot confess your sins in 90 seconds, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, okay? You're doing it wrong if you're going on a regular basis, okay? And, you know, people say, well, St. Ignatius went to confession for three days. Yeah, because he led a sinful life for decades before he went to confession, okay? If you're going on a monthly or weekly basis, okay, you, you should be able to confess your sins in 90 seconds. And by the way, the priest doesn't need to hear any explanations. In fact, everyone, I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't need to explain anything. If we don't understand something, we will ask you. So, you know, if Joe goes in the confessional and says, bless me, Father, I have committed a sin against charity, he's going to get a couple of questions, okay? Because that is a very broad Subject. Well, everything is a sin against charity. Yeah. You know, I mean, a venial sin up to killing six million Jews. Okay, and everything <laughs> in between. Oh boy, we are done. <laughs> no. All right, Father. Uh, uh, Paul is asking. <laughs> Uh, thanks for hosting this convo, guys. Question for Father Lavel: Have the canceled priests looked into joining a traditional order like the SSPX? They were the original canceled priests. I don't know if they were the original canceled priests, but they're certainly canceled. Let me say this. I have spoken. I've had lunch with uh, Father Pagliani, who's the superior general. I've met with Father Fullerton. We're we're all in agreement, okay, that post-traditionalis custodis, it can't just be the Society of Pius X, okay? A lot of canceled priests or diocesan priests who are not necessarily used to the life of the society which travels a lot, and they're more of a missionary order, even though they're technically secular priests like I am, okay? It would be very hard for priests that are middle-aged or older to kind of adapt to that lifestyle, okay? What we try to do at the coalition is be a halfway house where we want to say, okay, we want to make sure that priests can get the proper formation if they haven't received it, especially moral theology, 
all right, and to be able to learn the traditional mass, okay, we don't, again, we don't force it on them, okay, but we, we, we're helping 50 to 60 priests now. All of them are open to it. I don't know of one canceled priest that said, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. All of them are at least open to it. Okay. Well, well, I would imagine, especially because they've been so hurt and damaged from this this current iteration of what's going on in the hierarchy. So I would imagine maybe they do want to look to the past to see maybe how, you know, but what did they get in trouble? I mean, you, you, the canceled priests are not priests who were accused of something. The canceled priests are priests who got booted for being traditional. They were too yeah. traditional and they spoke too too theologically correct. Well, well the, let me let me just say this. It's not just being too traditional. It's not just because we wanted to celebrate the traditional mass. We have some canceled priests that got canceled because they said, hey, guys, you don't have to get the jab if you don't want to. I mean, yeah. they didn't even necessarily come out and say, hey, guys, don't get the jab. It's horrible, which is an appropriate thing to say. They simply came out and said, guys, if you don't feel comfortable uh, getting it, don't get it. Because remember, we had, I mean, the Pope and several bishops who were just like, you have to do this. In fact, uh, our friend Anthony on Twitter, Tony, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the big lib who uh, oh, always, is, yeah. <laughs> always going after, you know, libertine Catholics and all that. He just said, oh, the Pope said something, the most prophetic thing anything any Pope ever said, that, you know, we, that the pharmaceuticals have to make... Uh, the jab free and blah, 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 blah. And I'm reading this today going, oh, my gosh, really? Let's start trying to save babies, okay, instead of instead of trying to force the jab on everybody. You know, it's like, why do we have to keep doing this? So we, we, we have to keep the perspective that we have priests that are sometimes that are just simply standing up and saying, yeah, a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, okay? All lives matter, not just black lives matter. We have one priest that we're helping that was canceled because of that. Okay, because he basically said, don't get into the Marxist goop. Okay, and he got canceled for that. And I I will say this we help priests that are basically not suspended. They are like myself, and we talked about this the last time I was on the show. They they are basically restricted in a non penal, non judicial way. How are my faculties at ordination as a priest taken away in a non penal, non judicial way? That's yeah. gobbledygook. I don't know what that means. I mean, maybe it makes more sense in a New York accent, Anthony. I don't know, <laughs> but it makes no sense in standard American English. So. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you touched on the 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 length of a confession because I catch crap for this all the time. But it's like we look mo- the average parish, the average diocesan parish has confession from four to five p.m. before the five o'clock mass on a Saturday. You'll get there, and there'll be twelve people there, and three of them take twenty minutes each. And it's like, guys, go in the the kind of sin, the number of times you've committed it, get your absolution, and get out. And it's so insane how long. I mean, you have. I don't know if it's always the, the person or sometimes it's the priest, but. It's it's like this 12, 13 other people that want to go. If you guys have, if you have to go for spiritual direction, or if you have, if you want to make like a general, like a life general confession, make an appointment for something like that. But if you're squeezing in that hour on a Saturday, the only hour they offer it for the week, get in and out, be quick about it. Oh, no, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, okay, and I'm sorry if I'm going to ruffle the feathers of any Opus Dei listeners, Opus Dei is quite clear. They will only hear spiritual direction of women in the confessional, which is not a bad thing, by the way. 
Okay, but make it known before anybody else gets in line. So uh, the first and I think the only Opus Dei parish in the United States is St. Mary of the Angels in Chicago. I will drive sometimes in the city to go to confession. Okay, and I get there and I'm thinking, wow, only two people are ahead of me in line. An hour and a half later, I'm still <laughs> waiting to go to confession. Okay, yeah. uh, guess what? Guess what my first sin is and the biggest mortal sin I'm confessing at that point. Okay, and let me tell you something. It's a huge mortal sin at that point. You may be waiting an hour and a half to go to confession. Oh, the priest is going to get a little talking to you. Have you ever, have you ever had anybody confess this? Because this is this happened to me three times on my way. We're getting very dangerous ground here, gentlemen. We have a penitentiary coming after me here soon. Go ahead. Three days this week, this happened to me. I'm driving home. People getting a little minor fender bender on the highway, and they sit there. They no. sit there and they wait there like CSI is going to come out and do an investigation. Their cars are perfectly fine to drive and they don't pull off the highway and they back people up for an hour. Has anybody ever come in and said, Father, I ruined people's days with not pulling off the side of the road? Because that has to be a mortal sin. I've, I've never heard that. But just judging by the tone of your voice right now, Anthony, you might want to go to confession first thing in the morning. <laughs> I want to... Sh- I w- I'm not even kidding. It, when this happens to me, I as I'm pulling past the people, I'm like, "Get off the road! Your car can drive." It's in the mo- it's the most infuriating thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, uh, can you just take a swig of Basil Hayden right there? He does that every time. Yeah, I, father. I, <laughs> right. Anytime. Right. Anytime. Oh, good. So, uh, Joe, you've been pretty quiet this episode. I hope I, I hope I didn't talk. I'm over just you glad he's not picking his nose anymore. So, <laughs> you go. Oh, your mic's off, uh, uh, Joe. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> your mic's off, Joe. No, no sound. Oh. Uh oh. For those that didn't hear the first time I came on here, all these New Yorkers thought that they were going to get this docile meek, passive-aggressive Midwesterner, and then, then they realize that I'm from the south side of Chicago, so I can let give me, it. Let me tell you something. I had no idea what to expect the first time we had you on when we had you on for trivia that night. And I, I was... I killed you. I, you. I know, but I had no idea what to expect. I was like, okay, guys, you have to... Having you on and just being able to like have like a normal conversation, it was so such a relief. Getting made fun of by a priest is one of my favorite things ever. Well, you make it so easy, Anthony. You really do. I I try. (laughs) I try to. Did you get your? Did you get your? Can you hear me? Yes, we we can. Finally, so go ahead. Okay, you can hear me. So I got two phone calls during this that I just quickly rejected, and yeah, so it interferes with the with the. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, if you're talking, I'm not going to talk over you. Why would I do that? You know, just, uh, being, being cool. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy to let you go. It's your show. Well, the thing is, I want the, the, the elephant in the room is we haven't had you on since that whole debacle last time. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew me and oh. you were still, still the closest of friends. Oh, yeah, just- yeah. Everybody's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if I did, if I wasn't fine with everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just we'll have to form the coalition of cancel. I could be. We'll have to form the coalition of. We'll have to form the coalition of canceled podcast guests. Is what we'll have to do. <laughs> yeah, but, um, that was the joke. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
So I, I, I will, I'm unclear as to, as to it, it, the cause, but um, I, I know the, the before and after. Um, look, I, I, you know, I, I have, I say interesting things. Well, not well, interesting. I say off-color stuff, stuff sometimes. So I, I understand. You know what I mean? No, no, no. So I want to I actually say something. So um, we won't say who it was, right? But somebody actually said that, like, from the show me and you originally did. It was the show me and you did on, on our own. It actually caused that person to go and look into sedevicantism. And it was, it really, like, at first I thought nothing of it. And then, like, I slept on it. I actually called you the next day and I said, I said, Joe, this, like, this is really weighing on me. It it was weighing on my conscience, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the the thing is, I never want something to be said on my show that would cause somebody to make such an important life altering decision as to go that route, because I really think that. The set a position is a way bigger deal than people think it is. And it's like for somebody to, I, I to, believe the opposite. I, right. But that, but the, the, uh, the well, uh, is, yeah, I think it's so, so much less of a big deal than people think it is. Well, the, well, the thing is, if you're pulling people, I think that you would think, I think you think too little of, I, I can understand if you come to it in a personal decision, but to try to convince others of it, like if you're wrong, like I really think that's something that, like that's a, that's a heavy thing that you'll have to face God for one day, right? So, so, so let's put it this way. I mean, uh, I, I'm not like I, I, okay, right? I don't, I, I doubt. I, I'm pretty. I think I've gotten to the point of like at least positive doubt in regard to uh, certain so-called popes, right? Um, especially a guy, you know the guy running around now um you know like there's a couple of things there that uh if i was to give somewhat of an apologia uh a i wasn't trying to convince anybody no of the position yeah well i said i i don't care uh personally i don't care if if uh anybody is it does or doesn't believe uh such and such a person's pope i i i think it's kind of irrelevant um I, so, so for that reason in particular, I think, uh, and where that comes from is I think you could, you're, you're allowed to, uh, now a lot of people who are quote unquote set of would disagree with this. And, uh, I actually just had a set of on Twitter call me wishy-washy. So, uh, you're always, you're, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's good that. to remember you're always some, you're always somebody's liberal. Um, yeah. so <laughs> Uh, Joel, what do you think you're wishy-washy? So here's, I mean, because he he said good things about the Divine Mercy Chaplet or the Divine Mercy devotion. Like he just Yeah, he but, so so I have yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not allowed to hold a particular position because I hold another position. But um it's just here's the bottom line. People people don't know how to think. Yeah. They don't they don't understand logic. It's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of reasons for this, but here's, here's what um, I, I do. Here's the only thing I will say. Cause when me and you speak privately, like mm. we're, we're both very agnostic about a lot of things. And it's like, and, and you're, you're very right. humble in your, in your approach. Usually you're like, look, I just don't know. Like, you're not like, so like what I would say is the difference is the, the, the settings you find online are adamant. Like you're in the Novus Ordo. It's, it's such an obnoxious thing to deal with. Where I felt like mm-hmm. it was more of a just like 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 I'm just not sure about this from you and and it, and it's 
it's one of those things where I never want somebody making such a, a, a huge decision based on something they saw on my show. And it really didn't sit at yeah. all well with me. Like I was really, I was like, I was, I was, you actually talked me down and you're like, look, it's the, the, the truth of the matter is it's, if Francis wasn't so confusing, people wouldn't even be looking into the question. And that's really, you know, he does so many things yeah, that are so confusing I, that that's what leads people to question. I think, uh, the the difference between me and a lot of uh, there there are people that would say uh, there's a positive and negative way of saying a, a, a thing right so there's set of a contest that will say quite openly that this man is not pope and this is you you have to be this is a pre this is a prerequisite um, for even being a Catholic uh, that's a crazy that's a crazy proposition yeah. I think. Um, my own position is uh, on that very specific question is very similar to Father Jenkins, who is of the SSPV. I don't go to the SSPV, but I, I happen to agree with him on this. It's not that so-and-so is not the Pope. I just don't see how he could be. <laughs> which, well, I, well, which, which, which. Which seems insti- like an insignificant difference, and it's not. It, I, I think. I think it. I think it makes all the difference in the world. To be honest with you, um, maybe yeah, that's. I, maybe that's. I, I would just, say I think that everybody should stay close to the people of God. There have been, there have been uh, horrible leaders throughout the history of the church, throughout the, all of Israel's history. So don't separate yourself from the from the people of God. That's all. Like that's all I'll say on this. I don't want to make Rob too nervous. I know Rob hates this topic. So <laughs> I, I just had to, and bear I, in I mind, to... I'm, all, I'm only giving an explanation because I, Father Lovell, I, guess... I know, loves to stoke. If there's a flame to to stoke, he is going to stoke it. So I mean. <laughs> Look, I just wanted no, to at I mean, least vo- guys, I wanted to at least I say this. Yes, can go I, ahead. Can I just say this. I just had on my show, and I would love to have the three of you on my show. If uh, Joe Gallagher, my producer, is still listening, let's uh, let's book them soon. But you know, I just had Timothy Gordon on, and I know some trads are not the biggest oh, fan. Oh, great! Of Gordon, Me and Joe, love to be him. honest with you, we had we had a great conversation, and we brought up the conversation he had with Patrick Coffin, who's now a set of a contest. You know, before Benedict died, he mm-hmm. believed Benedict was Pope, and he made excellent arguments, okay? And I, I know one priest that is canceled, very holy man, okay, that basically said it, it's hard to wrap your head around argument that John Paul II made it clear that if there was any conspiring, any politicizing of electing a certain person during the conclave, that that would invalidate it. And then you have members of the St. Gallen Mafia coming out and saying they did just that, you know, with impunity almost. It's just mm-hmm. that that does raise See, the I, question. <coughs> now, that I'm, doesn't make me a set of a contest. No, what yeah. it says, though, is there are, seems to be good arguments out there on that side because Patrick Coffin seems like to be a very good man. I have way, I'm way more comfortable with with the idea that something happened with Francis's election than the idea that the, the, After the, the official, Pius the 12th, the official set a position where we haven't had a Pope since Pius the 12th. Like that just seems preposterous. Why though? I, I see. I don't know. Why does oh, one say, I mean, go. that's, that's, that, just, I mean, it does. Okay. So uh, all I'm saying is it doesn't make sense. Honestly, 
All I'm saying is it doesn't make sense for one to be preposterous and the other to be possible. I got what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So preposterous. That, 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 that's a, it's, a, it's yeah. a rhetorical leap is, is, all, gotcha, is all I'm I saying. So uh, and again, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying with with un, with absolute certainty that that yeah. no, that there hasn't a been a vote since 1958. I, I, you know, it's but it's it's uh, all I would say is that it, it's it, once you if you if I'm not saying anybody should go read it. Actually, no, you should go read things. It's good to read. Um, <laughs> if if you look at it, the truth it's harder to disprove that you would think it is. The truth. That, that's that's all. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, the truth. Uh, you know, I'm not. I, it's not my intention to lead anybody astray. That's all I was saying. I I have a. a I hope nobody makes any decision based on something they heard on my show. That's that huge of it. Like, don't ever Most, say. Well, mostly because we're not this. experts on it. Exactly. I'm a high school dropout. I try to make that clear all the time. Um, and it, it. I Joe. Um, first of all, I love you like a brother. You know that, right? So it's like. That whole ordeal that did happen with the show coming down was like heartbreaking for me, and I wish that whole scenario never happened. It was yeah. such a stupid. No, I'm understand. just so yeah. I'm so glad we all made up and everything's guys, good 90, now. Ninety seconds, ninety seconds, guys. Yeah, we got to get going anyway. So we're at we're at an hour and a half. Session to ninety seconds. Okay, <laughs> and, uh, Father, we're gonna come on your podcast whenever you invite us on. This was a good show. And I, I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation, guys. Go get your tickets for the canceled priest conference. You guys buy ten. Father said, yes. "Get him free." <laughs> oh yeah okay. that's great by the way Anthony, i just have to say that is a very base say fireplace that you're in front of right now so only <laughs> I mean, instead of a just could have a fireplace like that i put i put this here so that, that nobody sees the mess in my basement because my the dirty laundry there. right behind them. it's right next to me the dirty laundry it's amazing uh so um yeah, like I said, guys, we ha- this is a great show. Father, thank you for coming on with us, man. This is uh, some of well, the stuff thank, we talked about. I mean, you, you bumped me a few times, but you know, I'm glad that I know the pecking order: Taylor Marshall, Eric Sammons, and then me. If nobody else better comes on, we so saved the, we low, saved the, the lowly father level. <laughs> so, the best so real quick, Father, did did you go on Tim Gordon's show, or did he he went on yours? He went on mine. Yeah, good. Yeah. He's a very good personal friend of mine, obviously. But no, Tim Gordon's great. You know, it it is it, very yeah. good. And I, yeah. I had Taylor on. I had Taylor on the same week uh, you guys did, and uh, we had a great conversation as well. We're very much good. And it, you know, we could end the show with this. Our our conference theme is uh, uh, a house united. You know, and we we have to realize that tickets at cancelpriest.org. I would love to have a lot of New Yorkers there. I'll show you what a real hot dog is and a real slice of pizza is. A hot dog, baby. Don't tell me about your pizza. Listen, my wife went to school in Chicago before we were married. I've been there. Okay, we got rid of him, Father. Don't worry. You don't have to hear that blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, you haven't booted me off the show in so long. It's been a while. (laughs) I thought this was like a Connor McHugh situation. Uh, I can get myself back in on my own show, but it's funny. Listen, the thing is, Rob has comedic timing. Connor didn't. Connor just ended me, and I was just like, "Now I'm not coming back on." So, now you know what it feels. Now you know what it feels like. (laughs) Chicago pizzas, deep dish. Chicago and Sony deep dish. I'm coming out. We're going out for pizza together, 
And when you yeah. come to New York, I'll take you to a good pizza place, no, and then we'll go there. There's still good pizza places in New York. <laughs> Stop your nonsense. All right. Oh, oh, the shows all down the street. <laughs> you know, <laughs> last appearance. I hope you guys had fun with all that. So, come on. Hey, Joe, do you saw We need Catherine to take this chat? episode down. You saw Catherine in the <laughs> chat, Catherine's right? in the chat. Catherine's in the chat. Catherine pretends she never watches nothing. She she popped in the chat. I saw Catherine. <laughs> Catherine will tune in for me and Father Lovell, of course. Yeah. Watch out for crazy librarians. They're very dangerous, guys. I've learned that from Catherine. So, <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. Father, you want to take us out? Maybe uh, take us out with a prayer? Dominus Fobiscum. Et cum spiritu tua. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti Descendus Super Vos. Mani et Semper. Amen. Happy Amen, Easter, guys. everyone, and uh, we will have you on my show very soon. I guarantee you we'll have uh, more people watching. <laughs> guys, please like, <laughs> share, subscribe Ouch. if you guys aren't yet. <laughs> please share the episode, and we will see you guys on Thursday. Oh, uh, Father uh, Isaac Mary Relia on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Spread the word. I want that one to be a big one, too. So thank you, guys. All right, Rob, take us out. Mm-hmm.